Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Celtics. I'm your host, Warren Shaw. And alongside me, as always, the great Gary Washburn. And we're your host and resource for everything Celtics this season and all seasons. Gary, we're tapping in here hours after the trade deadline. How are you feeling, my guy? Good, good. Not a lot of crazy moves, but a lot of moves. Uh, but an interesting day. It's always a, a fun day to see what, t- what players change teams and who's now a free agent. And now we shift to the buyout market. But it's just always... Uh, pretty interesting to see you know what teams have in mind and what teams ramp up and what teams decide hey this ain't our year yeah i i do love that i think it i think it's fascinating and you know we spoke i mean really briefly off air about some teams and trying to figure out exactly what they're doing so we'll touch on that you know as we get into it but obviously this is Celtics show so we'll start with them first but as always we gotta do our plugs uh, as always if you're tapping in with us make sure you give our show a five-star rating or whatever your podcast platform listening device is make sure you follow gary on x at g washburn globe you can follow me at shaw sports nba you can also follow believe at believe network or at believe sports so the celtics do make a couple of deals and i think you know for both and i both you and i who like watch them like kind of like hawks if you will still have a roster spot <laughs> to, to to work with mm-hmm. coming out of all of this right so they get xavier tillman um in a deal i guess yesterday or the day before the trade deadline then also a smaller deal, um, getting Jaden Springer from the Philadelphia 76er, a guy who uh, played well against Boston in, in spurts, you know, in the little minutes that he did get against him, if you will, too. Um, but then, you know, Delano Bonten obviously goes away. Uh, a guy who we wanted to do well, Lamar Stevens, goes away. and He goes to Memphis where he might actually get an opportunity to get some run now. So probably better for him in the long run. But your thoughts on the two additions to the Boston Celtics, Xavier Tillman and Springer, who we assume probably won't get a whole lot of run, but they are on the roster. I think it's a the Tillman move was a good move. I think it provides depth in the backcourt when you're relying on Al, who's 37 years old and doesn't play back-to-backs, and Chris Stapps, who has been injury-prone in his career. And I know the Celtics have been very careful with him and rested him probably on several nights where he didn't probably need to rest, uh, but they wanted to just give him that extra breather, take take some load off his legs. And, and they've gotten the game 51, and he's been mostly healthy. So I think the Celtics are like, listen, um, we're going to get you some relief. Hopefully for them, they can build enough of a lead in the East to where the last, let's say, 10 games is not, you know, gut-crunching time where you're trying to eke out the number one seed. Hopefully for them, you've got the five-game lead with 10 games left or a, a lead that's, we'd say, insurmountable, that you're not going to get caught because that's the whole thing that keeps the next – 20 games is just keeping that lead, keeping Cleveland off your heels, right? And now the Knicks who are coming up strong so and fast. So uh, I think good move for the Celtics to get Tillman for relief. Springer, I think, I remember talking to to Brad Stevens before the season started when they picked up Blanton and they picked up uh, Lamar Stevens and they picked up, you know, just, you know, and they signed Kata, uh that it was it was situations where you were saying to yourself like um you have to try to supplement those first round picks that you trade away you've got to figure out a way to find prospects to to cultivate when you trade away all those first round picks and as we know the Celtics have traded away several 
since Brad's took over. He just doesn't like first round picks. Um, so this is a, a guy who, if if you don't know Jaden Springer, and a lot of in, probably common NBA fans don't know who he is because he's kind of been buried in Philadelphia for a few years now. He was a one and done at Tennessee, averaged 12 points a game his freshman year, 6'4", probably a little bit more like 6'2", not a big guy, but just a guy who's real, he's a physical specimen, real active, and um, a guy who can they can cultivate. He's only 21 years old. That's the thing. You look at these guys now, they're three to four years in, and they're literally 21. He's 21 years old. Uh, I think he's a 28th overall pick in the 22 draft, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, sorry, in the, sorry, the 21 draft. So, you know, he's he's only played 50 career NBA games. I mean, um, that's that's not a lot. And 32 this year. So this is not a guy, uh, Celtic fans, you're going to expect to come in there and really come in right away and help. I mean, he'll, right up, yeah. Yeah, he'll be a prospect. He averaged 11, game, 11 minutes this year. I know last year, because he spent a lot of time in the G League, he played only two games as a rookie, 16 games last year. He spent... You know, he was a he was a he was a project. He was a, a guy who you he, he he was maybe if you you know Philly's version of JD Davidson, where it's like okay, guy, you came you came out, you're not ready, but we're gonna try to get you ready, and we're gonna send you to the G League for for a couple of years, and maybe year three, year four, you'll be ready to contribute. So if you're uh, the Celtics, you're hoping that maybe he can get a spot time here and there. Learn from the system. Learn from guys like Peyton Pritchard. Learn, learn, uh, and, and get another opportunity. I know he was a little bit upset last year when I was told because Doc Rivers does not play very much. Play young guys, and he's young, and Doc did not play him much, and he felt like he should have gotten more more time. So let's see his attitude coming in. I think it'll be positive. Probably time for a new start for him. Uh, and you know what? See what happens down the road. But this is more of a down the road move um, than I would think, uh, Warren. This would be for now. And this is a Blanton. Sorry, Blanton. You know he was okay. I mean nothing right. spectacular. You, you, I didn't particularly see the prospect in him. I didn't see man. You, you got a whole like Kata. I can see the prospect, right? I, you could see the talent. You could see him turn into a, a a guy who could be a rotation guy one day. Banton, I didn't really see all that much out of him. So I think they said, you know what? Let's swap Banton, send him to Portland and see what if he can get a fresh start there. Take on Springer, who I'm sure the Sixers with with all the roster moves they've made are just trying to get rid of guys and clear space. So I think it worked out for both sides. So I don't want to take us too far off track because I, I I want to kind of you know make sure we can structure the show in, in an appropriate manner. But one thing that's also interesting for me, without getting too deep into the trade deadline, is that ironically, former Celtics uh, from last year. So let's take Robert Williams, injured, done for the season. I think for the most part, Grant Williams gets moved in a deal today. You know, over to to Washington. Uh, sorry, Charlotte. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and then. You know, Marcus Smart has been injured a good part of the season. Three guys who really uh, embodied identity for, for Boston in a lot of ways have had very rough seasons, I, ironically, while Boston remains to be kind of right at the top of the Eastern Conference and, you know, in, in the hunt for an NBA title. 
So when I see that happening, I've just you thought today, and I was like, especially when Grant getting moved, I was like, man, you know, for what we thought was going to happen and what they gave up, like those guys just haven't had a great go of it, you know, in, in their respective destinations, unfortunately. But I'm going to transition that comment, you know, without, you know, that's getting your take on it, but we definitely want to kind of go back to it in some capacity. Boston is not done. Right. Or does, they don't necessarily need to be done because they do still have a, an open roster spot. So we're got, we'll get to the overall trade deadline. But there's a couple of interesting buyout names that are coming available. Some probably coming out, coming online as we speak here right now. Um, I think I was most surprised and this is not necessarily a Celtic target per se, but I was most surprised by the flat out waving of Killian Hayes by the Pistons. Um, I was just like. That's certainly a decision, um, and they have a, they have a lot going on there. But that one caught me a little bit off guard. James Booknight also in Charlotte just say, "Yeah, we're done with that. Peace out." Um, Daniel House, you know, gets moved and is eventually, I think, is going to get bought out as well too. PJ Tucker doesn't move, you know, from the Clippers and is is on is is uh is co-tweeting with your guy Mark Spears you now about like what's the situation like. Any of these names, right? Or any of the names that I mentioned, or any names that you might think about, Marcus Morris potentially could could, could become available as well. Any names of interest to you from from the Boston side? Okay. Unfortunately, I think Marcus Morris. I would say Marcus Morris, but I think he's making sixteen this year. Uh, the, there's the that number. Year. Yeah, yeah, that too much. The last <laughs> year, that forty four and sixty four deal he signed with the Clippers. Um, so I think he's out, out, out of their price range. Remember, uh, for our viewers, since the Celtics are in the second apron, they cannot add a buyout. They can't. I mean, let's say they they can't go after Kyle Lowry, who's making twenty nine. They can't go after anyone who makes above the mid level exception, twelve point four million. So they cannot sign anyone who makes sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. None of those. They got to go. They got to go to the Walmart. Uh, the you know, Ross dress for less uh, buyout um, participants. Okay, they can't get high end. They're not going to to the to the Neiman Marcus of high end participants. Sorry to give a plug, but you know what I'm saying they they're not going on Rodeo Drive uh, for the buyout market. They're going on uh, the uh, swap meet. So yep. they're going to have to find players who make in that uh, range under 12.4 million. So Market, you know, Daniel House would be a guy that they could look at. Um, you know, at this point, I think they're going to wait. I think, you know, can they get that wing that they really want? Will that guy emerge? I just saw Spencer Dinwiddie just got waived by Toronto, so he's a free agent. That's a little bit of a surprise, right? He's a guy who's started all 48 games for Brooklyn this year. Not saying the Celtics would look at him, but the buyout, you know, there was terms of like, Gordon Hayward might be bought out, but he got traded, right? Um, if you're looking at uh, someone, you know, like you said, James Booknight, who's kind of been problems. Um, Killian Hayes, a guy who, I mean, was really a kind of a mystery. Like, you know, like like we look at some of these guys who are in the draft, and I, I think of Dante Exum, and there was so much intrigue with Dante Exum when he came out the same draft as Marcus Smart in 2014. And, it was, he was like kind of the mystery guy, but the guy who could be, you know, because people were people were looking for Giannis, not not that impact, but but Giannis came into the draft to the 13 draft with so much mystery, fell to 13, right? And then uh suddenly 
he's a mega star. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. people look at a mega star, but they're looking for these guys are intriguing, the ones that you don't really get a chance to see that didn't play in American colleges. And Killian Hayes was one of those guys that was supposed to be kind of the point guard of the future in Detroit. It never worked out. He requested a trade last week. The Pistons probably like, you know what, we're done, man. Like mm-hmm. below 30% three-point shooter, a guy who just just didn't look like he was picking up the game. And even though he was getting a lot of run, the Pistons played him, right? It wasn't like he was sitting on the bench, but it was just, I just think time for the for the Pistons to just say, you know what, man, we need to start cleaning out. Like the worst thing you can have, Warren, is bad young guys, right? Like, you know, you can have bad veterans and you're clearing them out. Their salaries are gone. You're That's Charlotte. The, but the, the Pistons have compiled a bunch of real shaky young guys and, you know, Marvin Bagley's and the James Wiseman's guys that just, it ain't, it ain't worked out in their first or second location. And, and it just hasn't worked out for them. So the, the Pistons have to decide on some of these guys, who, who are we going to bring, who's going to be part of the next chapter in Detroit. And I think for his sake and for their sake, they were like, you know, man, see ya. And so, I think, and I just think that was probably right. Him requesting the trade when he essentially had no trade value. Now, if you're a team like Charlotte or a team that's really struggling, you know, Portland, or you might take a flyer on him and just have him, you know, pick up some, some tips and maybe he becomes, I think a lot of him, I think a guy like Cameron Payne, who was traded today too, um, But remember, Cameron Payne was a lottery pick, I want to say. Went to Oklahoma City, was supposed to be this polished kind of step right in, and he ended up being a mess in Oklahoma City and was in the G League and bounced around and kind of found his footing in Phoenix and then Milwaukee. Um, you know, and so maybe for Killian, there's a road to stay in the NBA. But, you know, buyout guys, I think you're going to have to wait over the next couple of days Warren to see who exactly gets bought out. If there's a guy who fits what the Celtics are really looking for and makes under 12.4 million. So right now I don't see anybody. I mean, would Daniel house really make a, make a big impact? Would that be a guy uh, that you, that you want? Do you want to, or do you want to promote Mimi Escada to a standard NBA deal and have mm-hmm. that as be your final roster spot. So they got some decisions to make, but I don't think they're in too much of a hurry because I think the buyout market over the next week or so will develop. I'm going to ask you just, you know, point blank about one guy, because obviously we've speculated a lot here too, and we don't love to do that per se, but I mean, I think, you know, as we're getting closer, like maybe something become more reality, right? So your thoughts on a PJ Tucker, he makes 11 million, right? And obviously he's clearly unhappy. So I was just on another podcast and I think if PJ were to get bought out, I don't know him personally. I think if he were to get bought out, he probably goes back to Milwaukee or maybe Miami. I think it's a t- yeah. team that he has familiarity with. But would or should Boston kick the tires on a P.J. Tucker if he were to become available? Yeah, I think that's interesting. He gives you toughness. The thing about P.J. is he wants to play. And I think right. the the one number one thing Brad Stevens is emphasizing with this buyout market and other guys bringing him in is we don't need a dude on the end of the bench pouting. And that's exactly what P.J. Tucker is doing in L.A. Right yeah. Because – if you're P.J. Tucker, remember, he's already won a title. Okay, he's got his championship from the Bucks, So he's like, now I want to go out with a blaze of glory. I want to play on a championship team. I don't want to just be waving the towel and, and clapping up my younger teammates. I want to play. 
So if he's pouting in L.A., what is he going to do in Boston? And mm-hmm. he and he's got his buddies in L.A. Harden, you know, Westbrook guys he's played with and against for years. It's a good atmosphere. Ty Lue is a coach, and I'm a little stunned that Tucker is doing this because there probably is no better environment for him than L.A. in terms of just like having a bunch of crew of guys, veterans around you, Kawhi guys who you know respect you, and you can you know you're living in L.A. But he wants to play, and then also. I don't know how the buyout would be, work with him because he's got a player option for next year. So the Clippers would have to say, not only here's part of the rest of the year, this year's salary, here's some money for next year because we knew you were going to opt in. He ain't taking no buyout from next, you know, from next year because he's going to miss. No team is going to pay him eleven million dollars to play next year. He's going to be a minimum guy, if not a mid-level guy, or in terms of like a, a $5 million guy, something like that. He is not going to make $11 million on the open market at age 38 next year. So if I'm PJ and he's an intelligent guy, he's going to stay in this situation unless the Clippers offer him a real nice buyout. And then he also, Warren, has a team that's saying, hey, work that out and we'll bring you in right away. But you know, he wants to play for a title. He wants to play. So I don't think that's a good fit at all. I don't, you don't need it. I'm not saying he would mess up the chemistry in Boston, but he ain't Blake Griffin. You know what I'm saying? He ain't the guy who's going to sit there and be like, okay, I don't play tonight. That's cool. I'm going to cheer on my teammates. I'm going to be a good leader and role model. You know, he's, he's doing that in LA, but he's also pouting and, and I came here to play. I didn't come here to sit. So let's transition now to some of the deals that were made and now the Celtics potential competition. And we'll start obviously in the Eastern conference first and foremost, Milwaukee, Milwaukee adds Pat Beverly, um, you know, in a deal um, perplexing to some degree from Philadelphia standpoint, but they did what they did. Philadelphia adds, but he healed um, to stem the tide offensively while they won't be able to fill Joel Embiid's void. But I think he slots in if, and when Embiid does return, doesn't hurt Tyrese Max in any capacity. And then the New York Knicks. So we've heard for the last two years, hey, we like we like Bogdanovich here. We're not going to move him. He's going to be a part of the plans, blah, 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 blah. Unless you bowl us over with an offer. I don't think they got bowled over with an offer. And what they ultimately do is move Bogdanovich and Burks in the same deal. Um, Burks obviously was not say a target, but it was a potential, was of potential interest to Boston as well, too, especially for the salary and what it potentially would have costed. But the Knicks make a move that truly bolsters their their overall roster for especially now we know Ananobi's hurt, we know Randall's hurt, Mitch Robinson is hurt, but all those guys are expected back this year. The Knicks are suddenly very deep. Everybody's singing their praises, is like, yo, they are right there, right at the top of the Eastern Conference. We know the Cavs didn't make a move, but after the trade deadline. All things considered, who is Boston's toughest competition in the Eastern Conference? That's a tough one. I mean, I probably would have to say the New York Knicks at this point. You know, mm. very deep club, as you said, adding Burks, adding Bojanovic, um, you know, Adenobi, and then, uh, you know, Mitchell Robinson is supposed to be coming back from an ankle injury. It's just something – it's just something about the Knicks that doesn't fit, feel like they're going to put it all together so fast this year. That's just something I – that's a feeling I have. And as much as I, you know, admire the Knicks, and I, I think, you know, I covered Tibbs in the short time he was here when I was here. He's a nice, good coach, a hard coach, a grading coach and all that, you know, all these Tibbs stories out there, um, you know, good, but a, but a good guy. 
I just don't see, Warren, the Knicks putting everything together this year for a championship. Where I think getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. Um, something just tells me that because you, I just think you have, okay, you've traded Barrett, okay? So you don't have a number three anymore. It's maybe Ananobi, um, Randall, what happens to him in the playoffs? Because Brunson's your guy. Brunson is your A1. That he's taking that from Randall. So Randall, to me, is the guy you got to wonder about. Mitchell Robinson, what happens when he comes back? And Anobi now is out for like maybe three weeks to a month with the elbow. Um, and I think Bogdanovich and Burks, solid players. Uh, are they real difference makers? I think Bogdanovich can. Burks can hit occasional shots. So I, I, I thought it was, you know, and you traded Quentin Grimes. And having seen Quentin Grimes this year against the Celtics, like I wouldn't have moved that. Yeah. That dude can <laughs> shoot. That, that brother can shoot the ball. So giving away a 24-year-old prospect for those two guys and, and you know, the, the, the Fournier mistake. I mean, you know, Warren, I remember the Celtics were really trying to bring him back. And he, oh, I want to go to New York and I want to play in the big city and the Mecca. And it just, I mean, my goodness, what a disaster that contract was. And yeah. that's the thing, honestly, Warren, the difference between, like, good organizations and, like, bad or sometimes shaky ones. Like you don't sign disaster deal. Like the Celtics, you don't hear them signing disaster deals like that. Like you don't, you know, the I mean, we look at the, the Yokim Noah deal, the four and 72 that Noah got with the Knicks and the 48 deal. Like you don't see the Celtics, you know, you got to credit Stevens and Ains for them. You don't see disaster deals like that um, too much in Boston. So I, I, I don't know if I trust the Knicks. But in Cleveland, yeah, I think they got they. I think they. They're, they're, I said that backcourt and Donovan is a beast, and Garland is so silky smooth and can hit the floater. And they, what I don't know what happens when they're tested, you know. And those two honestly might meet in the second round again, yeah. and that would be a very interesting. If you're the Celtics, you know you got to pick. You got in the second round. You know, you could face a Milwaukee, and who knows what's what's going to happen there. Um, you know, or you could face the Knicks, or you could face the Cavs. Those are those are the three teams, Warren. I think that we're looking at for a second round opponent. If the Celtics happen to get past the first round, which could be Miami, you never know. With yeah. with fate, I think it will be somehow. God help us, Gary. God help us. Yeah, um, <laughs> it'll be the Heat, but you know, you don't know, or it could be Indiana. You know, there's a lot of – the East is treacherous. You know, the East, you know, because we got now – we got Indiana making moves. We got, you know, the Knicks. We got the Cavaliers and Bucks. Philadelphia, who knows when Embiid comes back, but they're going to be a factor. Miami is always going to be hanging around in that 7-8 spot. Like, don't worry about us. Don't feel bad for us. We'll see you when, we, when we're ready to see you. Yeah. Um, so the East is treacherous, and the Celtics have the work cut out uh, for them uh, down the road. Let's transition over to the Western Conference. So obviously big, big 
plans there. So not necessarily Celtics uh, adjacent currently right now, a lot, a lot of games to play before they can talk about reaching the NBA finals. But, you know, I think by most people's accounts, the Mavs are big winners today, uh, acquiring Daniel Gafford and PJ Washington specifically. The Suns get some depth with Royce O'Neal and David Roddy as well too. Uh, the Thunder get former Celtic Gordon Hayward to add to their bench, assuming he'll come back and be able to be healthy. Um, I like all those moves, you know, for those three teams. Um, Minnesota made a move the night before too, getting Monty Morris now to back up Mike Conley. So it gives them some, some, um, some, uh, nice cadence, if you will, behind Conley at the point guard position when he needs to rest or is injured, you know, of those moves out West with all those teams. And obviously we'll talk about the purple and gold in the Warriors in a little bit, but of those teams right now who are kind of riding high and playing good basketball, Mavs maybe not as much, but uh, which one do you like the best Dallas, uh, Phoenix, OKC or Minnesota? Ooh, um, Wow. I'm going to say OKC. You know, you get a veteran in Gordon Hayward. You get another adult in the room for a, a really, really young team. And I think that they're ready to take that next step. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, 5-5 five and five in their last uh, 10 games. is starting to stumble a little bit. Um, you know, and the, the Nuggets are kind of making another surge. So, you know, you got the, the it's crazy, Warren. I mean, the top four teams are separated by a half a game, you know. Um, three the three way tie for first, and the Clippers are, are fourth, and they're a half game back. So, um, I'm gonna say the Thunder just for the sake, and, and, and you know, as much as I like Phoenix, I don't trust Phoenix. You know, I just think they're too top heavy. You're depending on Beal, who's constantly hurt. Um, Durant and Booker can bring it. You know, Nurkic is your big. I just, I you know, we'll see what Royce O'Neal does for them. I think he'll fit right in. But you also traded away, I think, four guys for that deal. I want to say like uh, Diop, Watanabe, and um, Jordan Goodwin, who I who I actually like. I think it's a good was a good player for them um, when he got a chance to play. They, you know, they their roster is so strange. Because it's so mm-hmm. top heavy, and you know, you give away, you you make the Beal deal, and you give away a lot of your supporting cast. So I'm gonna say the Thunder come out as winners in the Western Conference, just getting Gordon Hayward, uh, a guy now who has something to play for. I think let's be honest, Warren. Um, it's been a rough stretch for for Gordon. He's been paid handsomely for it, but yeah. just the, the Charlotte thing just never really worked out. He goes there. He takes the 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 four years and 120, and gets 30 million, which was a mystery to me then. It's a mystery to me now why you would pay him 30 million, but they did. Um, and he played. He he never. The Charlotte never won a playoff game when he was there, and even the two play-in games, he was hurt for both of them. Yeah. So now he gets to play for a team that's not the main guy can be a veteran impact leader for guys like Giddy, uh, for guys like Holmgren, for guys like the Williams boys out there, can just be the adult in the room. I mean, he's he's 32 now, about sorry, 33 now, so he can be the veteran that they need. And I think that that's what sometimes it's off the floor too, just the guidance, yeah. the professionalism, and then can still ball, can still ball, not obviously at an all-star level anymore, but can still be a difference maker. So I think that's what Oklahoma City needed. You know, you're talking about the intangibles. You know, Minnesota with Monty Morris, okay, that's nice, but he's been hurt all year. 
I think he played twice or three games with Detroit and kind of a homecoming for him. He's from the the Michigan area and never worked out there. Um, You know, and they got rid of Shake Milton for that. And I thought Shake Milton was a kind of a player I saw in Philadelphia was actually pretty good. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. I just, I thought that was, I thought that was kind of a even deal. I didn't, really look at Minnesota and thinking, wow, you they really upgraded. Uh, the Clippers didn't do anything, uh, but I feel like they feel confident in their roster. And, you know, the Nuggets, you know, the Nuggets. So I'm going to give it to the Thunder. Long and I, yeah, and I, and I like what the Thunder did specifically with, with Gordon. And I think Charlotte did a solid by him as well, too, putting him in, in, in that situation. So a chance to truly win, get some playoff you know, chops under him now for the first time in a long time, basically since his days in Boston, um, and it gets to be the veteran and, and provides a lot of uh, stability potentially for them in that locker room, um, especially if Jalen Williams were, J-Dub, if you will, were to have any injuries, can, can slot right in there too if need to, and they still have Dort. They gave up literally nothing in essence to get Gordon Hayward there too, and I believe his deal is expiring. So remain flexible, No, for, still have all their picks for the most part. So, okay, season, great great shape let's talk a little bit about the purple and gold and shout out to them hold on hold on one, one Go for it. Off. i just read here the pistons are waving danilo gallinari oh so another potential buyout because now he can go back to boston because he's been with a couple of other teams since then so the limitations and he's making under eight million under 12 million so another name to look out for if the still, you know, I think he left Boston on good terms. I think he was a little pissed about the trade, but he missed all year with the knee injury yeah. playing for FIBA. I don't think you can blame the Celtics for moving him. You know, he went to Washington and he's gone to Detroit. Uh, so if you want kind of a guy to fill that 15th roster spot, um, you know, I think the Celtics could take a long look at him and think, Hey, maybe he can come in and, and, and fill it up a little bit. Uh, on that level. Sorry to cut you off. I know we were talking about the Lakers, but just seeing that Gallinari, according to our friend Shams, uh, is going to be waived and he'll be a free agent. And let's see if the Celtics uh, try to reunite with him. I'm looking at his numbers. Um, you know, in a short stint, he played six games of Detroit, 58% from three. So let's <laughs> look at the totals there because I know. <laughs> Yeah, let's look at the, let's look at the total. Like four, seven, seven for twelve. <laughs> okay, seven for, seven for twelve. So he was hot. He, he probably had a heater. One of those games he played. Um, in the in the twenty six game with Washington, the better sample size, uh, seven points, thirty one percent from three. Not a great, not a not a great numbers for him. He's a career thirty eight percent three point shooter. So maybe in a different environment. Um, he gets some uh, more open looks, uh, but played 15 minutes a game about this year. So, you know, we'll we'll see. That's something. Will the Celtics re- revisit that? Is that a could that be a Celtics target? I think from all the guys we've talked about, Warren Gallinari is probably the, the the most intriguing target because he gets back to a system that he knows. Uh, he's with the team all last year, so we'll see how that goes down. Yeah, I mean, hey, and absolutely interrupting. I think we said in the offset, guys are being waived as we're recording, and literally, guy got waived <laughs> as we're recording. So, you know, and Gallo does make a lot of sense um, if he can get over. I guess the initial hurt of being traded, you know, a season ago, in essence, he could bring Porzingis over to to Boston. So, yeah, but um, as we're recording again as well, too, you know, uh, today 
the great Kobe Bryant uh, for, for the Lakers, uh, his statue, you know, gets uh, gets unveiled. Uh, an amazing ceremony in that situation, but that's a great situation. And on the flip side, the Lakers don't make any moves, and all reporting is like, listen, they just didn't feel like a good move was out there. Another team that feels like if they can just get their guys back and somewhat healthy, uh, that will be the injection that they need. Uh, your thoughts on the on the Lakers standing pat? I guess we got to touch base on the Warriors too, who also stood pat, but the Lakers first year on on Kobe Bryant Day. Yeah, obviously great day for the Lakers in terms of retiring, not retiring, giving them a statue. The statue looked great. Uh interesting to hear Phil Jackson's words and 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 uh it was always interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, great day for the Laker Nation. Um and but you know, I just feel like maybe the buyout market. If that's possible, they kept everybody. And I think maybe that little boon when they won in Boston, won in New York, won in Charlotte, you know, to put them two games above 500, I think maybe they say to themselves, you know what, we still have a shot here. We're getting healthy. Because I think the one thing that they were doing, and maybe a little too much is blaming it. Oh, we're all, you know, remember AD and LeBron have been pretty remarkably healthy. Right, right, right. Except when they played the Celtics and they still beat the Celtics. Um, But – you know, the other guys have been out, you know, Russell's now is dealing with something. D'Angelo Russell, Hachimura missed some time. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt's out for a while. Uh, you know, they've had, you know, Gabe Vincent's never really played for them this year. They've had some some real injuries. So I think they feel like, you know what, let us, at 27-25, 30 ball games left. You, what do you say, Warren? You try to go 20 and 10? If you can in that last, that's probably optimal to, at yeah. max to go 20 and 10. But you try to go 20 and 10, get to 47 wins or uh, get to 45 wins and get into that, maybe try to push for that sixth seed so you avoid the play-in because they are three and a half games behind the, the Pelicans for the the Pelicans and the Suns for the, for, the, for the fifth seed. So I think the Lakers look and say, listen, we got a, a – some home games coming up after that long Grammy road trip, Utah starting to rebuild the Warriors. Who knows what's going to happen with them? Um, it is their responsibility to pick up and get to that fifth seed. Maybe because I don't think they'll catch the Clippers. They're eight, eight games behind the Clippers. But I think if you look realistically, they say, why not us? It's six. And then we'll take our chances with Denver or the Clippers or Minnesota in the first, especially Minnesota. We'll take our chances with a competitive first-round series against one of those teams, even even maybe the Thunder. So I think that's if you're if you're the if you're the Lakers, that's how you're looking at it. You know, just get just put some wins together, get to 45, 46 wins if you can, 44. Try to see if you can catch the Suns or the Pelicans at the five-six seed and avoid the play-in. Get get and then you know then take your chances on making kind of a one of those uh, runs where the the Rockets of '95 or or the even the Celtics of 2010 where they were the four seed made the finals. You know maybe that's how you can do it. So let's transition before we close out here. Um, so a couple teams that we've we've talked about it at length. Again, we don't necessarily need to touch on the on the Warriors after all. I think, but the Hawks who you were like, hey, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They did nothing. Uh, the Bulls find themselves standing pat, I think, somewhat oddly as well, and maybe victims of more recent success. 
I, I'm not quite sure what, what happened there. Uh, but they don't do anything. And like I said before, I don't even know who's in Detroit right now. But the the Bulls and the Hawks, your thoughts there on both of those teams who are in the playing range. Uh, they stand pat, don't make moves, despite all the names that were rumored from the Caruso to Andre Drummond to obviously DeJounte Murray. We've talked about Sadiq Bey a lot as well, too. But, but they, everybody's staying the same. Your thoughts on those teams specific, specifically before we close out? Yeah. Um, the Bulls, you just don't know. I guess they they feel like they're kind of making a run. They've played well of late. The Hawks, I watched them on Wednesday night. They can score the ball, and they push the Celtics without DeJounte Murray. Now you got a Murray who knows he's not going to be dealt. Um, I think with the Hawks, you're seeing little subtle improvements. I mean, they have it's it's tough. It's it, I don't understand Warren. I don't understand the Hawks. I just like <laughs> you got Trey, you got Murray. You got this rising kid, Jalen Johnson. You got DeAndre Hunter. You got Clint Capella. You got Sadiq Bey, and you're like 20 and 28? Like, what is wrong here? Like, why are they so bad? And especially, you know, and I know they don't have home court advantage because Atlanta does is not, you know, not a great home court advantage city for the Hawks. But I just don't understand. I watched them last night, and they – played a good three and a half quarters in the fourth quarter, the middle way, they kind of relented and they lost. And that's, I guess that's what they do. Um, but they dropped 144 points the other night against the Clippers, but lost 149, 144. Yeah. <laughs> Their defense is terrible. Their interior defense is especially without Capella. So I don't, but I don't understand why that I don't know if it's Quinn Snyder. I don't know if it's like they've been through, uh, you know, multiple coaches and try to figure this thing out. I thought they were going to take a step this year. I don't understand. Um, I'm confused as to what's going on in Atlanta. And the same with Chicago. I mean, now you you, you run those guys out again. Caruso, Levine is out for the year. Uh, DeRozan and Vucevic. Kobe White's having a really, really good year. Probably should be come back. Sorry, uh, most improved candidate, uh, candidate there. And so to me, those are those are playing teams, and you know, will they maybe teams as Celtic fans should keep an eye on because they could be come out of that play in. Uh, because if you're looking at the standings now, it's real competitive. But the Heat are seven, Orlando is eight, Chicago nine, and Atlanta 10. Brooklyn, who is in rebuild, is 11. So you don't think they're going to make that push unless they, you know, somehow pick it up. Toronto. Four games back, I think, you know, all the rest of the teams, Toronto, Charlotte, Washington, Detroit, are all probably thrown in a towel. Um, so you probably have 11 teams for 10 spots if you want to include Brooklyn. Um, so those teams, the Bulls and the Hawks, are likely, unless they go through a catastrophic skid, are going to be in the playoffs and probably be one of the Celtics' first-round opponents. So look forward to that. Uh, down the road. I don't think any of them are a real threat. Um, you know, Miami is seven. They're a game behind Indiana. Indiana, I, as I look now, is getting really hammered by Golden State. I don't know what's going on in Indiana, but uh, they're, you know, they, they, they're, they're so hot and cold at this point. So a lot going on right now, but I think Chicago and Atlanta, both are going to probably be in the playoffs because the East at the bottom of the East is so bad. So, hey, I, I guess they decided to stay in pat. Maybe they'll add in the buyout market. Because we heard, like you said, Warren, we heard about Andre Drummond. You heard about Alex Caruso. You heard about DeJounte Murray. 
especially when he gets scratched from last night's game against the Celtics. Uh oh. Yeah, you think something's up. He's going to the Lakers, but nothing. So uh, to me, uh, two teams just middling away, and we'll see if they figure it out. Yeah, we absolutely will see. Um, but again, the Celtics do make some moves um, and still have an opportunity to make maybe one small move, as you alluded to, maybe a Gallo or whoever else potentially. Um, again, as long as they meet that that threshold of under you know twelve and a half million dollars. Uh, but yes, the Eastern Conference did get different, better, and for I think for most people's standpoint, by by virtue of the Knicks specifically, and then obviously Philadelphia um, looming with Joel Embiid's return hopefully coming back at some point this season Milwaukee getting some defense and Pat Beverly uh, so we'll see how this all ends but Boston is still sitting pretty pretty well here um, now trying to sneak their way into the all-stars all-star situation so before we close out I gotta ask you Gary Jalen Brown was rumored initially now I guess it's official I see see his his, his profile picture in the dunk contest what's happening there why why would Jalen Brown I respect him, but this is this is all downside. <laughs> I think from the way I'm looking at yeah, it, yeah. When you're especially why make this move? Competing with like Jacob Toppin, Max McClung, and I forgot who the third guy is. The other participant um, in in the competition guy, three guys who don't have much NBA burn or just doing this for this for the for the shine. And McClung's a guy who's been in the G League all year. Yeah, um, you know. I just think he wants to try something new. Remember, Jalen was the guy who played, was the only NBA player. He played in the big three all-star game, went out to London and played in Ice Cube's big three league. And, you know, he likes to to set new heights. He likes to test himself. He walks to the beat of his own drummer. So I respect that. I respect, you know, and we we do wish more and more all-stars got involved in the dunk contest and wouldn't be dying on the vine like it is. Um so we'll see if he comes up with anything creative. I'm sure he'll work feverishly. I don't. I don't think he'll go out there and embarrass himself. Uh, but also, you're going against guys who are freakishly athletic too, and who are going to be more underdogs. So the crowd might be supporting these guys more. Jalen comes out as the established All Star. So who knows how the, uh, you know, crowd will react to him? Whether they'll give him some love because he's an All Star and he's coming out there and trying his best, or is it because you know, the, he's he's the more established guy, so he's going to be the, the the guy that they don't support. So uh, I, I applaud him for it. I'll just say that. And, <laughs> That's all you can say. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope for his sake, and, I, and I'm sure knowing him, he will come back and come out with some, some, some super-duper moves and, you know, we'll come away saying, wow, you know, that was pretty good, Jalen. Much respect. Even win or lose. Yeah, yeah, and it's a respect thing. And I think, you know, some players have already, you know, applauded him on social for at least trying to bring some name value to it as well, too. Because, yeah, as you alluded to, you know, uh, Jacob Toppin, uh, McClung, and Jaime Hikes from from, from Miami. Yeah, sorry, Jaime um, Hikes. Probably the other so, more established player, and he's a rookie. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I live down in South Florida area, as we know, and, you know, if Hawkeyes beats Jalen Brown, it's just going to be something else for Heat fans yeah. <laughs> to, to kind of dig in about, but one way or the other. Well, shout out to Jalen Brown for at least giving it a give it a giving it a go. We'll see how it plays out for him in Indiana. That'll wrap it up here for our trade trade deadline edition here for the Boston Celtics podcast. Believe in Celtics here. Uh, Gary, thank you so much, as always. Uh, make sure you follow him at G. Washburn Globe. Make sure he catches writings over at the Boston Globe. 
bostonglobe.com. You can follow me at Shaw Sports NBA and follow Believe, you know, on all their social outlets as well. We'll see you in a little bit here. See what what the Celtics will bring here for the next coming week before All-Star. Be throttling down here a little bit, obviously, as we think. Uh, Hopefully they can stay healthy. We'll catch you next week, y'all. Peace out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.